But Ezra chapter 9, let's begin. Now you have to understand what has took place. The children of Israel has got to leave uh, bondage over in Babylon. Uh, they've got to come back and, and rebuild the temple uh, and institute worship back in Jerusalem. Uh, and in uh, Ezra chapter 9, begin to read with me in verse 1. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the uh, Amorites. Uh, for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair off my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. And then were assembled unto me every one that assembled at the words or that trembled at the words of the, uh, of the God of Israel because of the transgressions of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses, our trespass is grown up uh, into the heavens. And since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spool, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant, to escape, and to give us a nail in His holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving uh, in our bondage. Boy, I tell you what we need today. Well, we need some reviving. Not only a little reviving, we need a lot of reviving. Amen. Uh, for we were bondmen, yet our God had not forsaken us in our bondage. Ain't that good? But hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of, uh, uh, the kings of Persia, uh, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded, and by thy servants the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that, it may, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, sin, that our God hath punished us less than our iniquities deserve. A lot of truth there. And has given such deliverance as this. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord, our God of Israel, 
Thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped, as it is this day. Behold, we are before Thee in our trespass, for we cannot stand before Thee because of this. I want you to look at one other verse. Go with me over into chapter 10 uh, and look in verse 6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, uh, the son of Elisha. Uh, and when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. You can be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you again telling you that we love you and thank you for loving us. And it's preaching time, and Lord, we certainly need instruction and we need encouragement uh, from the Word of God. There's folks sitting in here today that uh, have come uh, to, to, they need something. And God, they've come to hear from heaven. They've not come to hear from me. They've come to hear from heaven. And Lord, I've tried my best to study and pray and seek you. And you know that to be the truth. And Lord, I pray today you'd give us what these dear people need. And Lord, I pray you'd give us unction from the Holy One and touch us and own us afresh. And if there's one here lost, that they might come and get saved. Might be somebody that needs to come and draw close to you. Might be somebody that needs to get right today. And God, I pray they'd do that. Now, Lord, I pray you'd let us preach without fear and favor today and give us some boldness while we preach. We'll take in that we love you and thank you for Calvary and save that sinner's nearest tale for these things. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen and amen. As I said at the beginning of this, the children of Israel, they've been uh, given freedom and that by King Cyrus uh, to go back to Jerusalem and that to rebuild uh, the temples. As a matter of fact, God had uh, designed that long before Cyrus ever became king. You can uh, read that in the book of Isaiah. He prophesied that Cyrus uh, would make that edict and say, you can go back uh, uh, and build the house of God. And by the way, you get to Ezra chapter 4 uh, and you find out that the adversary hindered uh, uh, and that the building of the house of God. Now we know it was God's will that his house should be built, but yet they hindered uh, uh, the building of the house of God so much uh, uh, that, that they got it stopped for a period of time. Uh, so don't ever think this morning that just because uh, uh, some work gets stopped or uh, it has a hard time getting started uh, or it's a hard time all the way uh, uh, that God didn't want it to happen. Uh, we've got in our mind, ain't that right? Amen. Help me out now, church. Uh, uh, some of you stayed up too late and rung in the new year. Uh, uh, it's all right. We're at church now. Uh, uh, but listen, uh, uh, and so what happened was uh, uh, as the adversary pressed on them and sent letters to the king, they actually got the house of God uh, uh, to stop in the building. But over a period of time, they got all that reversed uh, and got the house of God uh, built and reinstituted worship uh, uh, and in their service to God, but somewhere uh, in all of this, uh, uh, they they had went back uh, and joined themselves in affinity uh, and that to the people uh, uh, of those nations. As a matter of fact, verse 2 uh, uh, talks about them doing the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, uh, uh, and the Amorites, all the people that had got drove out uh, uh, during the days of Joshua. Uh, they drove all them out and now they've come back uh, God has given them a little space uh, uh, and that to worship him uh, and they go right back uh, out of what they come out of 
Uh, it seems like that under oppression uh, uh, is when the children of Israel would cry out to God the most uh, and want to serve Him the most uh, uh, when they were having to fight. But when they did not have to fight, uh, uh, it seems like they let their guard down and joined themselves uh, and that to the world. Uh, can I tell you that the easier that it gets here, uh, uh, the more that I see God's people wanting to slip off uh, and to become like the world. Uh, it seems like that when uh, we've got everything made, is that not what God God told him in the book of Deuteronomy over there. Uh, he said, when you get over there to the land uh, uh, and live in houses that thou buildest not and wells that thou diggest not and olive yards which thou plantest not, uh, then beware lest thou forget uh, uh, the Lord thy God which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He said, when you become blessed uh, with everything that you have uh, and everything that you think you need, uh, he said, then beware of that because you're going to get away from God if you're not careful. And so we look right here, that is... Uh, what's happened. But in Ezra chapter 9 and chapter 10, it tells us right here that when Ezra heard these things, that he rent his garment and his mantle and plucked the hair off my head and my beard and sat down a stone. Now, let, let me say this. The uh, Bible tells us that when Nehemiah seen what they were doing, uh, he cussed at them, jumped a straddle of them, and pulled their hair out. Now go over and read the book of Nehemiah, the last chapter. But right here, Ezra pulled his hair out and his beard out. And when you go to chapter 10, it said he did eat no more bread, eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. If I could preach for just a little while, I want to preach on grieving over sin. You know what Ezra done? He grieved over the sin that the children of Israel was in. Can I ask us the question, when's the last time we ever grieved over sin? When's the last time that me and you ever grieved over sin in our life or sin that was in somebody else's life? When have we grieved over that? You know what that word grieve means? It means to be sorrow for something uh, or to be afflicted for. I, I believe that God uh, uh, grieves uh, over our sin. What did he say in Ephesians chapter 4 and 30? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Do you realize that men you can grieve uh, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, which is God himself? We're really going to shout on this one, by the way. When's the last time that we really grieved over sin, become sorry for it? Uh, three things I want to look at today about this passage of Scripture and grieving uh, over sin. Uh, sometimes we have a bad habit of gossiping over sin and uh, spreading rumors over sin, uh, but, but we do not, uh, uh, we even try to deny our own sin, uh, uh, but when do we grieve over it? Uh, number one, first of all, uh, we see uh, their rebellion. We see their sin. It's, uh, it's not hid right here. Now listen, I want you to understand something. Uh, the preacher understands and knows uh, uh, that we've got to live in this world. I understand that. Uh, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll turn over there. And, uh, you can go with me if you want to. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's, uh, he's talking about separation over there uh, to the church. And he's given some uh, instruction on that. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, uh, the Bible says, I, I wrote unto you in an epistle uh, not to company with fornicators. 
Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with covenants or extortioners or with idolaters for then must you needs go out of the world. Uh, he says, look, I, I, I told you not to company with fornicators, uh, but he said, it's not, it's not those of the world. I know you've got to go out and do business in the world. You've got to be around. Well, hey, listen, we're not building a wall and get behind a wall and peeking out every now and again at the top of it and seeing if the world's destroyed itself. Uh, we're not to do that. We're, but we're to be separate. Brother Marvin brought it out in Sunday school. Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. Uh, listen, we're not to love the world at all. I Notice right here, Philippians 2 said, that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hey, if we're hiding behind a wall uh, 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 and we're staying out of the world so much that we won't even go out into it, we'll never win anybody and that to Christ. But we're not to be like them. Can I ask you a question? You reckon you can win somebody out of this world, out of sin, out, uh, out, of, out of the debt that they're headed for uh, uh, by being like them uh, or being different from them? Uh, I mean to show them the joy uh, uh, and the happiness that you have uh, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, this world needs some happiness uh, uh, and needs some joy about it. Uh, uh, and that's what they're looking for. But notice their rebellion. Notice uh, uh, what they had done. Uh, they had joined themselves and was doing uh, uh, as the abominations uh, 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 of the world. Those things that God hates. Uh, now notice who it was. Uh, uh, the Bible said here in verse 1, the people of Israel uh, uh, and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land. As a matter of fact, you come to verse 2, it talks about how they mingled themselves with the people of those lands. The hand of the princes, the rulers, have been chief in this trespass. Those that should have known better, those that had control of things, they were allowing it to go on. Let me put it to you like this today. Those that should have known better, didn't do better. Uh, it would be like me being like the world. If anybody in this church should know better, I should know better. I mean, God not only saved me, He called me to preach and pastor this church, I should know better than joining myself to the world. Preachers should know better. Christians who love God and have read their Bible should know better. Amen. I mean, it just, don't, it just don't hang on me. I notice if you look in verse 1, uh, it was the people of Israel. They were all doing it. But they should have known better. Listen, they knew. They knew what happened to them. Uh, that God carried them off down into the land of Babylon uh, uh, and brought them down into bondage down there. Why? Because of their sin uh, 70 years ago. They, they all knew that. They all knew the judgment and the punishment for sin. They got carried off down to the land of Babylon. And now they've got free and been brought back up here and placed over here to rebuild the temple and serve God. And what have they done? They've done that, but now they've got away from Him again. It just seems to be a vicious cycle, don't it? Seems to be a vicious cycle that, uh, that, that folk get close to God and, uh, then given time if they don't work at it. And I'm gonna tell you serving God is work today. Can I tell you something like this? I thought about this. I was out in my shop yesterday doing some work as I was going in. This thought hit my mind. I, I don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm gonna serve God today. I don't wake up in the morning and, and, and say, well, I'm not gonna serve God. Listen, serving Him in my Christian life is just a way of life. 
It's just what I am and who I am. I'm just serving God. I I mean, my whole life is trying to be wrapped up around Him and in Him and and in all the battles and the fights that we have to go through. I'm still wanting to serve Him. Mamas and daddies ought to know better about some things than to let some things in your home and let your children around some things uh, in your home. And, 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 and by the way, contrary to what the world tells you, they're your children, you're responsible for them. Uh, uh, there ain't nobody else responsible for your child. I don't care what they say. The school system's not responsible for them. Uh, uh, listen, you uh, are responsible for them. You raise your children. Don't matter. Well, people's going to think we're crazy or that we're strange. I'm going to tell you, if you believe this book and live by it, you are going to be strange. I mean, in the, in the light of the world and in a lot of Christians uh, or believers, let me put it that way, uh, in the eyes of a lot of believers, you'll be strange. They don't read their Bible. They don't understand. But we see who it was. Those that should have known better. You remember in the book of Ezekiel, uh, the Bible talks about those that uh, had the ability, who, who was doing the preaching, if I could say that, because even because they have seduced my people, say, peace, and there was no peace, and build up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. I say unto them, which daubed it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and old great hailstones shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the daubing wherewith ye have daubed it? He said they daubed that wall uh, that was going to stand uh, uh, with untempered mortar. But he said when the storm come, uh, and the hailstones come and beat upon that thing, the wall fell. Remember Matthew chapter 7, you had one that built upon, dug down and built upon the rock and the other built on the sand uh, and the winds blew uh, and the rain came. And by the way, one was saved, uh, one was unsaved and they both faced the same thing. They both faced the winds, they both faced the water, uh, they both faced it all, but one stood. Why? It was built on the rock. And so, what were they doing? They had joined themselves and that to the people of the land, and was doing the abominations that they were doing. They'd also taken uh, uh, their sons and daughters for their sons and daughters, and all that the Bible talks about in verse 2, how they had mingled that all together. You know what that means? The word mingle means it means to mix uh, uh, or to blend together or to join, but it also means to contaminate uh, uh, and to render impure or to confuse. It just wasn't going to work. It, it just couldn't work. I, 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 I mean, Brother Marvin brought that again. I might have to go back and talk about how no man can serve two masters for he'll either hate one, he'll either love one and hate the other. He'll either cleave to one and despise the other. You can't have both. You know, one fellow once said, if you straddle the fence, you're going to get shot at from both sides. A lot of truth to that, ain't there? Uh, me, hey, listen, I'm preaching to save people. Because here's the thing. Lost people, uh, you can try to live uh, the Christian life, but it's going to fail, and you're going to fail miserably eventually. You, just, you can't make yourself do right long enough to get through. It just ain't never going to happen. Uh, and listen right here. Uh, we, we, and, and, and 
And, and some of you just think I'm a broken record. And maybe I am a broken record and I talk about this a lot. Uh, but, but here's what I see uh, when I look around. I don't think, I, I hope none of you are living in vile, wicked sin. I hope not. And I hope this is just a warning to every one of us to stay away from what the world has to offer. But maybe you're not there today. Maybe you are in a mess. Maybe you are in a place where you don't need to be. But what were they doing? They had a lack of separation out of the world. Uh, They were doing the abominations of other nations. uh, And they were letting their sons and daughters uh, marry the sons and daughters and that of the world. And Paul put it like this in Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed. Don't be like the world. Be different from the world. Don't be mingled in with the world. Yet you ever seen, yet you ever just seen some things that just look out of place on some people? Brother Marvin got to talking about all that metal that people's got and hitch a trailer to them, you know. And, 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 and I, and I got to be careful here because I'm going to offend some of you if I ain't careful. But, but, but I'm just going to tell you, I've, I've never understood while some of these pretty young ladies would want to put metal all over their plate. You know, you pull up to the drive-thru and they got rings all down through here and they got one here and one here and they got one up here and they would be so beautiful if that stuff wasn't in their face. That's my opinion. But I believe, but, but, but he said it right this morning. It's the world that's just slipping in. That's worldliness, you see. You know, I expect the world to do those things. You know, we cannot expect, we cannot expect the world to do different. Why? They're lost, they're unsaved, and they're going to do what they do. What are they? Sinners. They know how to sin, don't they? But should we not be different? Should we not be different? Second Corinthians chapter six. The Apostle Paul, very familiar scripture over there. Second Corinthians chapter six. And you know what we find over there? He talks about come out from among them. You know, uh, he, he talks about being unequally yoked together. What was it? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath unrighteousness, or what, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth in an infidel, uh, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, uh, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty. You start in chapter 7. He said having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Nobody seems to really want to be separated anymore. Uh, my pastor used to say boy you preach on separation you get in trouble. And, 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 and 21 years later, you still preach on separation, you get in trouble. Because people don't want to be separated. People want to watch what they want to watch on TV. They want to talk the way they want to talk away from church. They want to dress the way they want to dress. They want to think the way they want to think. I, I battle so much in my mind. Battle so much right up here. You just got to fight. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 said, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly uh, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. It'd be like most of y'all sitting in here. You know what he's talking about right here? He's saying if, 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 
just like the, 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 the apothecary, the ointment of the, the apothecary to send forth uh, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary. The apothecary was one that mixed up the, uh, not only medicine but also the perfume. And he said, you put dead flies in there, it's going to stink. Uh, and he said, somebody that ought to know better uh, than to do something and they do it anyway, that's how it is. You've got something that smells so great, but now it stinks so much. That's what it is. Means to mix, you know. They're trying to mix and to contaminate and uh, to confuse, and, uh, and 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 yet I believe it's very simple uh, to live for God. You read your Bible and you do what it says. Boy, that's that's deep, ain't it? I mean, boy, that's profound today, ain't it? I mean, you just read your Bible, you obey God, and do it. That's it. But I want you to look at Ezra's reaction. Verse 3. I think this is where we ought to get because we know what I'm saying is the truth. It don't take much to look around. Notice what he said in verse 3. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garments and my mantle, that was the outer covering, and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down a stone. That had to hurt. That, that really had to hurt. Uh, I, I had to go to the emergency room on Christmas Eve. Most of y'all do not know that. And uh, I had to go because I was hurting in my chest. I was hurting in my left arm. Wasn't nothing wrong. So we was up our late of the night up at Park West and they put all these little stickers all over you. And I mean, I had stickers everywhere. And, and, and I come home that evening. We got home about 3.30 that night. Uh, and, 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 and I started taking all that stuff off. My wife said, you, you might want to wait on that. I want these things off. And so you just got to grit your teeth and shut your eyes and pull. That didn't feel good. And when I looked at that thing, man, there's just tire all over it. And there's a bare spot right there. I said, I pulled it all out. Ezra sat down. Bible at one point in, 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 in verse 1 of chapter 10 said he cast himself down. He sat down and he literally pulled, he, he pulled his hair out and he pulled his beard out. You, you, you say, well, he, he was dramatic. Yeah, he was pretty dramatic. I'll give him that. I think Ezra was so shocked at what they were telling him. He was so grieved over what he had heard. And he was so, so I, I mean, listen, he, he was showing his grief by pulling his hair out and, and, and his beard. Can you imagine, Hunter, could you imagine? Honey, I, I mean, she might get a hold of your beard one day and pull that thing. You know it hurts. Imagine if he pulled it out. Hope Amanda don't get mad at you, brother. She can get that beard. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the state he was in? His mourning, how he showed his mourning because he rent his garment and his mantle. He pulled his hair out, his beard out. He, he had to be a mess. He had to be a mess sitting over here. All, and then the Bible said that he sat down a stone. That just simply means he was astonished. He, he was amazed and confused and surprised about what he was being told. 
Can I ask you a question? When is the last time that me and you ever got amazed, confused, or surprised that, that we were told a story about somebody in their sin? When's the last time? When's the last time that we've ever been around somebody and uh, we've seen it slip and, uh, and, 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 and we've seen their life slip and we become amazed at it or confused about why it's happened or are we just so cold and calloused that it just don't really affect us anymore? I went back and told the Lord that I was sorry for some things that I'd done a long time ago. And I'm pretty sure I'd already told him I was sorry for it a long time ago. But I wanted to tell him again. I wanted him to know I was sorry for it. I wanted to make sure that, that I had told him so. Verse 5 said that he had not only done... Can you imagine what kind of mess he was? If he really pulled his beard out, and I believe he did, and he pulled his hair out, I, I can tell you this, he was a bloody mess. He had to be something else. And so he, here he is. He's, uh, he's sitting down and uh, he sits down to the evening sacrifice and he, and he sits, I don't know how long he was there, but it was more than just a minute. And he's astonished. He's shocked. Uh, he's amazed at what's going on. I love to watch Miss Evelyn get shocked at something. She still gets shocked at stuff. Say, so what do you mean? For you tell her something, she'll go... <gasps> Like that right there. Don't you quit doing that either, sister, just because I said that. But she'll put her hand over her mouth. And it amazes her. When's the last time we ever done anything like that? Because of sin. Because of the shape somebody got in. Or the situation they're in. Verse 5 said that he was what? And at the evening sacrifice I arose from my what? Heaviness. This thing was heavy on him. It weighed on him. See, it just wasn't nonchalant. He just, he just didn't hear the story and he just didn't put on a show. But this thing weighed on him. The situation that the children of Israel had got in weighed on When's the last time the shape of our nation weighed on you? When's the last time that your neighbor, the shape that your neighbor was in, weighed on you? When's the last time that somebody in this church, their situation weighed on you? But let me ask you this. When's the last time your situation weighed on you? I want you to take your Bible and go to the book of James. Is it James chapter 4? Is that where I need to be? Look in James chapter 4. Man, they weren't right with God in, he, in James as he's writing to them. They, they, they weren't right. I mean, you can go back and you can, you can... James chapter 4. Look with me. Well, we'll just, we'll just look in verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and war. 
yet you have not because you ask not, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that it may consume, that you may consume him upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? If you're going to be like the world, then you're going to be an enemy of God's. Now, did you catch that? That, that? that word enmity literally means the quality of being an enemy. That's what it means. And he said if we're going to have friendship with the world, we're going to have enmity with God. So in other words, God's going to be against us. Who do you want for you and who do you want against you? Ain't that a good question? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Boy, he explains it all, don't he? Do you think the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There you go. Be afflicted. Watch this in verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to what? Heaviness. He said for the situation that you're in and the friendship with the world, uh, your pride and your pridefulness, uh, uh, he said be afflicted and mourn and weep. God did not have to beat Ezra into that position. He was amazed at it. He was astonished at it. What was happening, he knew there needed to be somebody that had to repent. So James is saying, be afflicted because of your sin, mourn because of your sin, weep over your sin. He said instead of laughing and having joy, he said mourn over it and have heaviness over it. So Ezra, in his grief, and according to verse 6 of chapter 10, in his mourning, sat there in heaviness. He sat there in heaviness because of the situation they were in. You can go to Psalms 38, and you can see what happens if God puts his heavy hand upon you. Boy, boy, I'm telling you, David was just in a bad spot because of the conviction of God. But you know what he done? You know what Ezra began to do? He began to pray, didn't he? You look in verses 6 through 15. That's the reason I read all that I did at the beginning. He began to pray. He talked about how good God had been to him. Talked about how God brought him out of bondage. Talked about how God delivered him. Uh, and now look at the situation that we're in. That's what he talks about. If we're sinning in your life, you know what you ought to do? You ought to come and say, Lord, I'm sorry you saved me. Uh, you brought me out of bondage. Look to shape that I'm in. Uh, uh, but I want to come and I want to make things right with you. As a matter of fact, that's what they done. As a matter of fact, in verse 2 of chapter 10, they come over there and it says, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning his saying, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. You go to 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul, Paul deals with some situations about husbands and wives over there and about believers and unbelievers. But you know what they were fixing to do? They were fixing to separate themselves uh, from the things that they didn't need to be in. They made a covenant with God. 
As a matter of fact, in verse 11, uh, it said, Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do His pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land. So they, they made a covenant. This is what we're going to do. They made their confession... They called for the people to do it. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse 8 over there, you know what they said? They, they said, you're going to have to come, confess, make the covenant. If you don't come, uh, we're going to take your stuff uh, and we're going to separate ourselves from you. You know what they were going to do? They were going to withdraw fellowship. When's the next time you ever heard of a church withdrawing fellowship from anybody because of sin? Now, I'm being honest. When's the last time you heard of any New Testament local church exercising discipline in the church because of sin? That's what they were doing. So they made a covenant, called for the people to do it, and they made their confession. There's one verse I love in Proverbs 28. Just a lot. The Bible said in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Ain't that beautiful? That when we come to God and confess our sin, that He'll have, and, and then do what? Forsake them. That means to quit doing what you're doing. You come and you confess, but then you quit doing what you're doing. You look in verses 12 through 17 of chapter 10 and you know what they do? They say, this is going to take a little while to make this happen. I mean, that's what they tell Ezra. They say, Ezra, we're going to do it. But to get all this mess straightened up and we've got ourselves into, it's going to take a little while. Do you realize that some things you get into and that other people get into, yeah, they can confess right now, they can forsake it right now, but it's going to take a little while for them to fix some things that needs to be fixed. As a matter of fact, it took them three months. From the first day of the tenth month to the first day of the first month. That's three months, ain't it? October, November, December. Because that's done by the first of January. Today. Takes a little time. You know, sometimes you can fix things right away. You know, it took the prodigal a little while to get home, didn't it? He was down in the far country. He, he made his confession. He got in his right mind, made his confession down there uh, to God. He knew what he needed to do. He knew what he was going to have to do. Uh, but, but it took him a little while to get home to do it. You know, you may have to make some things, uh, make it right with some people. You know, I think, I think, I think you're... you're uh, your apology and your getting right with people should be as public as your sin was. You, you, ever, you, you ever seen somebody do something in private, but yet when they come to confess that thing, they'll just tell the whole church what they've done. I'm not, I'm not sure that needs to be done. I mean, that thing's just between you and the Lord, and, and you fix it and go on. Just fix it and go on. But when everybody knows what's going on, when everybody's seen it, when your name's in the paper, you may have to fix some things. 
May have to deal with some things. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. Please, do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. Sometimes it's just not as easy coming to this altar and crying and telling God you're sorry. He knows you're hard. He knows what's going on. But there's going to be some things to fix along the way. And by the way, you, you may just have to sit still for a little while and prove that you are who you say you are. That you have repented. That you have done what you said you were going to do. That you are living the way that you said you're going to live. You know why that is? Because I think most of us have seen a lot of people, and as a preacher I used to work with, they'll come in and cry crocodile tears. But yet next week they're still doing the same thing that they were doing when they got up off that altar. Ezra, he mourned and grieved over their sin. When's the last time we've ever grieved over sin? When's the last time we've grieved over somebody else's sin? When's the last time we've grieved over our sin? That we've been sorrow for it and afflicted for it. And I mean really heartbroken because of what we've done. Or because of what somebody else has done. Let's bow our heads if we would. Brother Marvin, let's come to the piano if we would. We fix and get a verse of invitation. You don't have to wait for the music or the singing to start if you need to come and pray. I don't know. I don't know who's dealing with what as far as sin is concerned. But I can tell you this, it's going to lead you down a bad road. Always does. If you need to come and pray, I want you to come. You might need to come pray for somebody else. Maybe you need to grieve over something else that's going on. Grieving. Sorrow. Afflicted. Carrying heaviness. Brokenheartedness. Because of sin. We can't seem to get, get, get broken hearted anymore because of sin. Can't get heavy because of sin. Hey, folk coming to pray. Do you need to come? You might need to come and say, Lord, this ought to be breaking my heart. Would you burden me with this thing? Lord, take this old callous heart away and this old hard heart away out of me because I know this is what needs to happen. I know this is what needs to happen. I know this is how I need to feel. Ezra sat down, astonished, amazed and confused at what was going on, and rent his clothes, his his garment and his mantle, tore them, and pulled his hair and his beard out. Chapter 10 said he ate no bread, drunk no water. He was fasting over the situation of the children of Israel. I didn't talk about that. When's the last time we ever fasted over the situation of somebody's life? Beg God to help.
I'm going to pray. These are still up here praying. We're going to sing if you need to come. I want you to come. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help during this invitation. Lord, I preach what you've gave me. Lord, all that I've had is this here. Lord, I've tried to preach it with the right heart and the right spirit and the right mind to help your people. Not to be mean or ugly at them or toward them, but to deal with sin. To deal with some things that maybe need to be took care of in their home. Or to deal with what what they know that somebody else is dealing with. Instead of being calloused and hard-hearted at it, that Lord, that we would be so tender-hearted that we'd weep and grieve and mourn and just beg you to do something. Lord, as we get ready to sing, I pray folk come. There may be somebody here today that's lost that has never been saved. Pray they'll move today and come and get saved. Lord, I pray that you'll work in this invitation. For all this in Jesus' name, amen.